I have wine on my glasses. (laughs) Oh, Oh, she started it. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with your hosts, Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. This week, we're joined by Lex Larson as our special guest as we talk about Korean cinema. In Xanadu, in Kublakan, a stately Pleasure Dome decree. And in our podcast, Pleasure Dome, we'll talk about some movies. to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your two hosts, Melissa Kirscher, and I'm here with Wendy Bowlesby. Hello. And this week we also have a special guest. We have with us Lex Larson. Say hi. Hello. It's always great to be the guest star in any threesome. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the kinky love boat. (laughs) Kinky love boat. Uh, Lex is uh, a very special guest because she actually helped us hatch the idea for this whole shenanigan-filled hot <laughs> mess that we're in the, midst, <laughs> in the midst of. So, uh, yeah, we're, oh, we're going to talk. Oh, we should, we should uh, first introduce our wine, this, which we've already finished. Which is gone. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. This week's wine pairing was a um a contribution by our special guest i want to make it clear that if you would like to be a guest on our podcast you don't need to bring alcohol but it does help (laughs) so lex could you share with our listeners what we already finished yes this selection is a castillo san lorenzo rioja and it is a reserva 2008 and it was delicious listeners unfortunately it's gone <laughs> that hollow sound you Salute. heard was the the dead soldier on the table. Very good. And beyond this, we are now into an already open bottle of Barefoot Zinfandel. Barefoot, as we all know, is the cheap wine that Wendy buys. Yes, but Thank you know you. it. It, it's serviceable. It is a serviceable wine. I yes. don't drink shit. I want to make no. that clear. I drink cheap, but not shit. Yes. There's a difference. It's also a much larger bottle. It's, it's a huge bottle. It's the family size. It is economical. If this is the barefoot, this is the bigfoot barefoot. Bigfoot and barefoot. Holy cow. I like how they add the sticker on it. It's like, look, we got an award. We got an award for being big. We sell a lot of wine. We got a gold star. It, it does. It is a gold star. It is a gold star. I do like family size. That implies so much that is delightful to me. The family that drinks together. Mm-hmm. Is not as nearly annoyed by each other as most families. Especially with long winters. Uh, All right, so So we're going to start talking about Korean cinema tonight, correct? Yes, this was my suggestion because uh, I happen to enjoy Korean horror movies, um, and I sort of fell into them on Netflix, like so many people do, is you just find something strange, and then once you start, it sort of poisons your recommendations <laughs> so yes so once i have one poisons well, i yeah. say fixes i only i only say poisons because my husband started watching a bunch of documentaries about stupid shit i didn't care about and uh, so i like it took 
it took months of splitting our profiles for me to finally like purge stupid shit documentaries off my list. By it almost way, became a category of like, here's stupid shit documentaries you don't want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Can we my, all say thank you to Netflix for realizing that every family member needs their own yes, profile? Yeah, yes, because I am, made our lives better. I am so tired of looking at My Little Pony suggestions. <laughs> yes, for those right. of you who don't know, Melissa is dating a brony. I am. Which There's... is great. I think that's wonderful. I'm I quite enjoy my little pony because I have a five year old daughter. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, now that she's got her own profile and my little pony doesn't show up on my recommendations, <laughs> I am a happier person. Yeah, I'm I'm perfectly happy to keep my uh, suggestions full of murder and despair. well yeah exactly like mine is full of a lot of you know horror and kind of depressing cerebral shit yeah so So my little porn (laughs) my little porny okay oh we know what's in wendy's queue (laughs) i was gonna say my little pony murder is magic (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 I'm I'm also like referencing a post that I made. Uh, a friend of mine on uh, Google Plus, which is actually like my preferred social network because most people don't know about it, is <laughs> so you like a social network that nobody's on. That's not really very social at all. Because <laughs> so, everybody posts to their tightly knit circles, and you just like organically find friends through other friends. It's kind of like real life. Uh, and and so, I, I love that it's it's very clean looking. I, I feel like uh, uh, the yeah. Beatles in a Hard Day's Night. He's so clean. He's so clean. <laughs> it is kind of clean cut. I mean, and yeah. So a um, friend of mine, Kurt Thompson, he has a thing that he does every month called Nerdy Ninth. So on the ninth day of every month, we post things that we love that are nerdy. And we're not allowed to criticize each other. It's all about love. So no all hate. Right. Only love on Nerdy Ninth. So one of the Nerdy Ninth posts I made, it was actually back in January, it was about how much I love Korean horror films. And so part of the glut that I started watching was one of them called um, Muoy, which is Legend of a Portrait. And so this is um, a path of like a, a writer from Korea who needs to travel to Vietnam to investigate like a ghost story that she wants to write about. Um, for her second novel and then it's a bit of a mystery because it turns out she kind of stole the story for her first novel that made her famous oh Uh-oh. revenge and, is a big thing in korean culture well okay and apparently plagiarism is one of the worst things you can do as a korean person because it comes up over and over in korean horror movies so maybe it's yeah. just a thing in korean horror movies well actually that kind of makes sense when you consider the and I'm totally talking off the cuff here, but when you consider the Asian culture's obsession with honor, right? Sure. And so plagiarism is right. a public lie, and it's dishonest, and you're making, you know, you're building your success on somebody else's hardship. Yeah, you're right? stealing so, their face, right. and you're putting it on. So, so, so that is, um, you know, so it's a mystery wrapped in with kind of a little morality play and a supernatural horror flick all nice. together, and it's beautiful. And the characters are interesting. And so these are all things that I enjoy about it. It's a, you know, beautiful scenery, beautiful cinematography, um, spooky supernatural story, which is something that I tend to prefer in my horror movies is the supernatural bent rather than gore and slash, which is great if I just want to, you know, veg. But I, if I want to engage in a movie, then I like spooky things. <laughs> spooky things. Do it for me. Yes. <laughs> So the whole, so the whole, um, (laughs) 
legend of a portrait. <laughs> oh, wind up my nose. Oh. oh. Well, it kind of clears no the sinuses, which okay. is kind of nice, but okay. oh. so, what a so, cost. So another one of the movies that I like is called White, and this one is about a girl band that uh, is struggling to break out. So they're in competition with some other girl bands that are, you know, winning awards and things like that, and so they need to, um, you know, do really well in this next competition or they're sunk. So they end up finding a videotape of a song and choreography that they use to win the competition, but then they all start dying one by one. So it's kind of like the ring meets... American Idol? Sort of, yes. <laughs> Meets, is it Bring It On? Bring It On. Yeah, there is a bit of Bring It On in it. And, and I, too, also enjoy watching any movie comp- competition dance well, yeah. like, thing. I have to watch it. Well, so. now I have to watch it because, as we know, <laughs> yes. if there's dance in a movie, I gotta you have it. to watch, I will it. watch it. Yeah. So, um, so in this one, like... Basically, I'm reading my notes really quick. Like, so when a member becomes the lead singer, like, then she dies. And so, like, they make another girl in the group a lead singer. At what and point then she did, dies. At what so then you end up did... with one girl. You end up with, like, one girl who's left, and she's kind of in the embodiment of this. She's now a soloist, but, like, she, and so. <laughs> I wait, yeah. I have to ask. At what point do the girls go, no, really, I don't want to be lead. That's okay. Well, and originally the, the, like, last standing girl says that. She's like, I don't need to be the lead. And they're like, you're just jealous. She's like, fine, I'm going to be the lead. And so, <laughs> okay, stupid. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not exactly, like, hugely plausible that people would continue to pursue something like this when their, you know, fellow bandmates are dying gruesome deaths. But, um, but I really gruesome? like this some of them are super gruesome. <gasps> super gruesome. So, yeah, like, there's, there's, yeah, it's bad. But there's also a mystery behind that one of, like, you know, why is there, why is this, like, song or videotape haunted and, like, what's the story behind it? And then, so there's a creepy mystery behind it as well. So, um, so you get, like, creepy mystery, you get ghost story, and you get, um, you know, girl band competition. Well, let's be honest. I mean, most ghost stories are a mystery. It's the exactly. good ones, right? Mm-hmm. It's why is there a haunting what is this ghost seeking and what can we do to fix the problem? And that's part of what's satisfying about watching those ghost stories. Right. You feel like there's a really good resolution um, as part of those. And then the last one that I was recommending to friends was um, A Tale of Two Sisters. I've heard great things about okay, that. Okay, yeah. That actually so popped up on my list. This yeah. one's super beautiful, right? Like, so this one um, I really enjoy. So they... So two girls go to a mental institution, they come home, they have to deal with their new stepmother. So it's, you know, interpersonal family drama and, um, you know, people being unbalanced and crazy and stuff. So that one was good. Um, and then one that was sort of fun, but also creepy and spooky was one called um, Yoga Hakwan. And it's so, <laughs> the premise is there's a woman who's like one of those um, QVC presenters and <laughs> she's getting older and worried that she's going to lose her job to young buxom girls. So she goes to this yoga like fitness spa like retreat uh, because she's her because there's women who've come back and they've been like devastatingly beautiful again. And so she's like, oh, you have to try this. And it's like, by referral, only super secret. Well, then you get there and it's like fucking creepy. Like people are getting sacrificed and there's weird shit going on. And like somebody's using magic and everybody might be dead. And what the fuck? So like it it turns like really crazy spooky. (laughs) But it's all around a yoga studio. (laughs) So so what I really love about Korean um, horror is, first of all, like all of these 
are led by women, right? So it's women's mm-hmm. stories, and, you know, it's never a, a thing of, like, oh, it's all in the service of a romance or something like that. No, I mean, these are just women who are trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And so they are solving these these mysteries, and they are the ones who are resolving these conflicts, and... They are centered around things that, you know, women do. Women are in girl bands. Women go to yoga spas. You know, they have sisters and they get, you know, institutionalized by their parents (laughs) because they don't want to deal with them. You know, so there's some kind of realness that goes on that I Mm -hmm. enjoyed. And, you know, women being in competition with each other and things like that are all addressed. So Korean horror films have a lot going on and I enjoy them a great deal. (laughs) Okay. I love you, Jason Statham. I love you, but... <laughs> Isn't he great? He is the best, but I always think it's funny that they have to film all of his, um, you know, love interests, like, in a hole. <laughs> because he's so short. <laughs> he's a tiny little man. You know who else is tiny? Robert Downey Jr. Right. Oh, yeah. I he's love, bite-sized. I love seeing all of the, the behind-the-scenes footage where he's on a box. Box everywhere. I'm like, I'm your size, Robert. It's okay. You can look down on me. Well, in general, uh, in the last, oh, 10 years, 15 years or so, Korean cinema has been cranking out some amazing genre stuff. Absolutely. Not yeah. just horror, but crime and, you know, uh, you know, not just supernatural horror, but murder creature, horror. Well, like creature, right. creature yeah. sci-fi with the host. Oh, the host is The host so is excellent, good. right. So. so good. Well, so I was... That that, that tweaks my, my kaiju bones, you know, that's... Yeah, I mean, I totally love. Let's just call it what it is: kaiju boner. Yeah, not your kaiju boner. It's 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 um. Somebody's made that, you know. Little little Miss Sunshine meets Godzilla, and I love it. It's really right. Yes, yes. So it's sweet and charming, and then there's a giant monster. Okay, I want to make it clear: I haven't seen a whole lot of Korean films. Most of what I've seen has been because of But Numathon, and then from that, seeking out others. Sure. Yeah. Um, but when Lex said she wanted to talk about Korean horror, I just, I went onto the internet and I started like, talk to me about Korean horror internet. What can you tell me? <laughs> yes. And I found this blog that was talking about why Korean, why Korean films are where it's at. Mm-hmm. And they listed a bunch of things that some of them more interesting than the others. But what I picked out was, you know, things that are standout with Korean films. And one of the first ones on the list was inventive weapons. Because no, Korea, right? Korea doesn't have a Second Amendment, so everybody doesn't get to have a gun, yeah. and that means that their fight scenes are a lot more brutal mm-hmm. and interesting. Because you don't just pick out a, you don't just pick up a gun and start shooting people. Oh no, you pick up a hammer and go down a hallway. Hello, and a chair. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yes. or a chair, or, or a your fist. Or... You know, there's so a lot of axe usage. Yeah, so it becomes a lot more visceral and violent Mm -hmm. and truly i mean what's good about that kind of action scene in that the violence is actually doing what it's supposed to do and making Mm -hmm. you a little bit uncomfortable as opposed to you know a shootout (laughs) where it's just boom 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 and you fall down and i you don't even see blood spray and it's just Mm -hmm. it's a video Mm -hmm. game let's face it yeah and the second thing that they said that i was like yes that's true is genre bending right so you're you're talking about how Mm -hmm. it's this and it's this and it's this right Right. they have no qualms about genre explosion yeah we're gonna we're gonna start by talking about a family drama but by the way there's gonna be a talking fish that shows up and there's a ghost just so you know it's okay and they're gonna sing a couple of songs (laughs) and technology is something that shows up immensely in all of these movies so 
whether it's, you know, your, your ghost story where they travel from Korea to Vietnam and it's all in this fairly remote area, you still have people plausibly using technology and they write the story smarter instead of just being like, oh, there's no cell service. And now there's an axe murderer. Yeah. Like, no, like, what? Uh, what? What are they going to do? Somebody's when... got satellite phones. Somebody does. Like, this is the thing that happens when people go out in the middle of fucking nowhere in the woods, right? Like, why don't we just get smarter? Like, American. What are they going to do in America when we have good cell service throughout the, all of the country? <laughs> when we have an infrastructure, what will they do? Um, <laughs> <laughs> they won't have any way to write these movies anymore. But it's like they're stuck in the 70s, right? Like, you yeah. know, they're they're talking about remaking um, Play Misty for me. And I was like, how? How would you even? Like, you have color ID and you'd be like, fuck that bitch. And you wouldn't even answer the phone, like, right? <laughs> like, you would not even do it. It doesn't work unless you have this urgency, like, it could be an important call. I don't know who it is. I should pick it up. Oh, dang, it's that girl again, right? Like, that's the whole point of the tension (laughs) of the whole stupid story. And it's dated, right? So I wish, I just wished that American horror writers would get better at using technology in plausible ways, making it so that your VCR is going to freak you out, or you answer that call on your cell phone from a number you don't recognize, and now you're going to die in seven days. Like, things Mm -hmm. like this are possible because of technology, so don't, like, just, you know, chuck it aside because it's inconvenient to your stupid isolated cabin story. Okay, all right. So we've gone into the, the brony murder and fantasy porn. crossover yes events. and yes. we've already brought up porn which is a touchstone for we every episode godwind ourselves oh so boy <laughs> godwind ourselves in our own special way so technology featured highly in korean horror and used well which is mm-hmm. well and that's just it they, even if it's they, cheesy it's still good they seem to be more clever like paying more attention to be writing smarter Right. Um, and I don't know why that is. Because they're coming from a culture of censorship. Well, and but if it's from South Korea, right, like, the pop industry is a machine. Um, mm-hmm. Because they realize how much money can be made from things like girl bands. And so they have an entire, like, complex and process built around developing the next new talent designing it so that they can get the little nerd boys to buy the same CD a thousand times because there might be a golden ticket to go on a date with one of these girls. Like, and they all live in a dorm and they're all like, you know, their appearance is controlled and all this stuff. And they can't go out unless they're smiling. Right, like there's all these rules (laughs) right around it, which is like, you know, sort of sinister. But the, um, the whole machine of producing popular media is like been refined to you know its utmost yeah, but excellence you know, in Korea because they realize just you know they can they can export this yeah but what's different is where their refinement there is going up towards making an intelligent choice in America we're doing the same thing we're refining it to make the most right. money but in America that means dumbing it down to appeal to the most right. people so they don't have to think the irony is that we turned away from innovation. right yeah like the things we're supposed to be good at you know like sorry snow crash it never happened like we never got good at pizza delivery we never really got that great at software either (laughs) (laughs) what we got good at is consuming and so yeah i mean like a movie studio looks at it and says okay my shareholder value has to be this 
So I have to, I only have this much risk margin, which means let's just do the thing that we know is going to make $12 million. Yeah. And that's why we have Transformers 2 and now yeah, 3. Yeah, well, well, we're turning into England. We're turning into a service society. Right, but at least the yeah. English love everything, so they make yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, you look at any top ten of their music, and you're like, what are you even doing? Like, yeah. they just they love everything. Like, oh, it was a top ten in England. I'm like, so? Yeah. <laughs> thing is, it means yeah. nothing. So, that's true. Go with what's open. Should we ecumenical? ecumenical? That's not the right That is not the right That is word. not the right word. And I right want word. to point out that... Basically, we've said, let's just drink the wine we can get our hands on most easily. <laughs> yes, I know. What one has the fewest barriers? <laughs> yes. It's like, I want an a la carte media experience. Like, yeah. I don't want to have a whole channel of something. I just want to show. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe I'll get around to watching it sometime in a few years. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't have enough. I mean, my time is at a premium, right? And there's all these great books I want to read. And there's video games I want to play. And, you know... There's TV, so much to consume. TV <laughs> falls, like, you know, way down. I mean, just, like, I get, I'm getting more discerning about, you know, the books that I'm going to finish. Like, I've gotten over that, like, I have to finish this book thing. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to bail out because there's going to be a better book. And so, <laughs> and, like, right now I'm struggling between, like, oh, yes, I'm doing some freelance editing for someone and I need to read that stuff and comment on that stuff. Um, but then there's you know, the advanced review copy of my friend's novel is coming out and I'm, I just, I love it to death. It's called Oris and it's by Daniel Swenson. You should buy it. And so, (laughs) so so there's things like that where, you know, it's like, I would love to be reading this thing. So, you know, and I have to catch up on Guardians of the Galaxy. What the hell? Where'd that come from? That came out of nowhere. So I have comics I got to catch up on so I can understand what is this rocket raccoon? Um, Okay. So when we were talking about Korean cinema way, way back. Yes. And yeah, I wanted we, to go are back. Are circling this back around? We are, I am circling okay. it back around, and we're going to edit it to where it makes more sense. I could do that. Um, because the third thing that came up on my list, right, or of the list, the third thing that popped out at me that I that I immediately, and I even wrote down next to my notes, yes, this, <laughs> this amongst all things seems very true to me, is that the violence in Korean films is emotional violence oh. oh absolutely yeah, yeah it's I never mean, senseless even but like even you know an old boy yeah there's the really horrific going down the hallway with the hammer scene but what makes that movie honestly a movie that i may never watch again because it was so traumatic it isn't that violence it's the violence of all the emotional things that happened to him in that mm-hmm. movie you're and able it, to connect with his character because they make you engage, right? So yeah. you're connected emotionally to that character. So when he has a break, you have a break. Yeah, but it's it's not even that simple. It's that when they talk, start talking about violence, they go, okay, it's not just about I'm going to run down a hallway with a hammer. It's, okay, violence is what is going to happen to make this character regret everything in their life. Mm-hmm. And when you watch this, that's the violence that sticks with you. And so when we talk about American violence, like, yeah, you get all the explosions and Michael Bay, and it's it's, it's kind of satisfying, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's no actual, there's no sticky to the violence until, like, we talked about history of violence. Mm-hmm. That's got some stickiness, but it's, it's partially because, yeah, the violence in the sauna scene is actually so incredibly muscular. That, that was Visceral. Eastern Promises. Pardon me, Eastern, Eastern Promises. Promises. Although History of Violence is also very, oh, yeah. that same quality. But it's, yeah. 
it's also because what happens to those characters in those films, mm -hmm. there are consequences for their actions that resonate into who they are going to be. So there's emotional violence. And it's when I think about the Korean movies I've watched, obviously Old Boy, and vengeance is a theme through Korean films, sympathy mm -hmm. for Lady Vengeance as well, but they really make it clear in Korean films that vengeance in an American film would be satisfying. Look at me, I took you down, asshole. But in Korean films, vengeance is you won and look what it cost you. Right, yeah. it harms you well, that in whole, the process. That whole old boy trilogy of films, Sympathy for mm -hmm. Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, Sympathy, sympathy for, for Lady, Lady Vengeance, vengeance. that was the, you mm -hmm. know, even though the stories aren't related, that's the theme of the entire the, thing. The theme of the whole thing yeah. is... Right. You you had your revenge. Boy, didn't that go well. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. The other thing I noticed about Korean cinema is women have agency, but men get to be emotional in a way that they are not allowed to be in American cinema. Yeah. You can see it mm -hmm. even in The Host, where the, the protagonist is male. He's a really interesting character in that he's sort of a doofus. <laughs> but he is so caring towards the little girl that he is seeking and right. so heartbroken at what happens mm -hmm. and he becomes a caretaker and there is there seems to be absolutely no irony in the film granted i'm not korean so i don't know what i'm missing there mm -hmm. but there seems to be no irony in the film that he becomes a primary caretaker and this is right. odd mm -hmm. yeah or it, it doesn't a cause become... for comedy yeah it doesn't become mr mom no <laughs> right it's not right. played for laughs yeah yeah and even in Old Boy, like, mm -hmm. the relationships there. Men seem to have a greater emotional life in Korean film, which allows them for greater emotional tragedy. Sure, yeah. yeah. You know we're going to post these all out of order, and it's all going to get screwed okay. up, and yeah. then we're going to get all OCD and worry about it. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about it. You are. Yeah, because I'm in therapy for that. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, I know Wendy probably hasn't seen it. Lex, have you seen a movie called Bedeviled? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, let's talk about Bedeviled, because <laughs> okay, I think that boy's into boy's Anybody into need more here. wine? Yes, let's, I, I think I need, I need a little bit more for talking about Slush Bedeviled. It. It's been a long time. I don't yeah. tend to re-watch movies. That's something I'm, like, yeah. again, with that whole only so many hours in a day. I'm good. I'm going to keep this for a while. Um, yeah, be, be deviled uh, for the listeners out there. Is I a Korean... am already at home, so I don't have to drive. <laughs> it is a Korean film, um, kind of uh, like The Hills Have Eyes, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, the premise is, well, once again, female-driven, which right. did impress me. It's It starts out as the story of this woman in Seoul who's kind of this career woman who was born and raised in this remote little farming community on a remote island. But she kind of escaped and went to the big city. And then she goes back uh, for the first time in many years to visit. And she reconnects with this childhood friend of hers who kind of idolizes her because she's the one that got out. And this poor this poor friend of hers has not only been trapped in this community, but been extremely victimized by she's the men. She's basically enslaved. Yeah, she's, she's basically a sex slave of pretty much the entire community. Oh. And... Uh, Keep talking. It's... 
it, 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 the movie starts out contrasting and comparing the two women and focusing on the reactions of the two women to each other. And then it kind of launches into this, it, the the victimized woman just snaps right the and of... and starts to wreak her own revenge and it's a very it's a very interesting film so i'm assuming she wreaks yeah. her revenge on the men well pretty much everyone yeah it's kind of a <laughs> well because bath. let me guess the women of the town were complicit in her victimization yes yeah i mean it was one of those you know better her than me sort of things which you know i mean they they established it as being very brutal, um, but I enjoyed more that kind of, like you said, the interplay between the two women, and yeah. you begin to understand each character through the other woman. Um, so it's not so much that each woman kind of demonstrates her character, it's that you find out about it from her companion who is understanding these things. So I, I always like stories that don't give you all the answers as a viewer. Yeah. Um, like, I don't need to be spoon-fed. Like, take me on a journey. That's fine. There's some things I don't need to know. Um, so that whole kind of tactic, I guess, you know, the technique of developing a character through another character was interesting to me. Yeah, it was... And it's, you know, it's super brutal. And, of mm -hmm. course, you know, some folks are going to be attracted to it for that. Um, there's a... YouTube guy that I watch, um, his channel's called Horrible Reviews. Oh boy. <laughs> and, um, and he's a European guy who, and I can't remember where he's from, sadly, but, um, he did a series of 10 videos that were the most disturbing movies. Oh he boy. just had people recommend movies and then he watched them and then he does these like little 10 second reviews of them, right? So... All of these horrible movies. And so I was sort of like ticking off the ones that I'd seen. Was, right? I, was like, Audition on there? Audition's on there. That's the one that I have told my husband not to watch. Like there's so many movies that I've enjoyed that are violent or whatever and I will recommend them to people. That was the one I was like, no, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. It was an amazing story. It's totally haunting, and you should never see it. <laughs> like, As a matter of fact, don't watch anything by Mika. It's <laughs> probably a bad idea. Wow, that was amazing. I'm so glad I saw it. I wish I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. Ichi the Killer, oh boy. <sighs> right, yes. Exactly right. Right. It's always the fuller that gets me. <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there's definitely... You know, they don't shy away from the brutality of it, but mm -hmm. it is real. It has gravitas, right? Like, it is part of a human story. It's part of an emotional journey, and I think that's what makes it stick. Have you seen uh, The Housemaid, the original one, 1960? It's on my list. Ooh, yeah. But I don't have, I don't have it yet. It's a... I know the it was it, it was an extremely rare movie until uh, Martin Scorsese found a print and restored it, which is why it's now available. But um, right after he restored it, I got to see it at Fantastic Fest. And it is this movie done in 1960 about a Korean family who hires a housemaid. And there's kind of this, there, there's an affair that happens between the husband and the maid. And then she starts going to crazy stalker town. And isn't she Filipino? I think which I think so, so it's like been a, a few years since political I saw. So there's, thing. So there's some yeah. politics and race in there right. too. There's a little bit, yeah. Huh. It's and so yeah, very it's, interesting. 
what I found interesting in, in sort of reading about Korean film is that the completely forgettable almost time travel movie and one of the things i want us to do in a future podcast is talk about time travel movies right oh we could do that um but the completely forgettable the lake house with sandra bullock and keanu reeves right right one night i'm home with wine and absolutely no brain capacity and i decide to watch (laughs) this film and there's actually something interesting at the core of the film the concept and and the premise is interesting and how it plays out and so it wasn't well done but i was like you know what that wasn't a complete waste of my time it turns out it's a remake of a korean film and now i need to see this korean film right. that mm-hmm. because it's bound to be better just based on what i know from korean films that there's going I think to be I did more see that emotional yeah. resonance to it right yeah. and probably a little bit more playing up the supernatural because of course in the american version the whole premise of I leave a letter in the box and it somehow travels through time, but we don't talk about it and we don't know why. I have a feeling that it's better presented. <laughs> so now I, this is definitely on my list of, well, I must, it's called Il Mare. It was hard to read. It's either I-L or two I's. Il Mare. Il Mare. M-A-R-E. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one for you. I'm fascinated. So Keanu Reeves has been in a Korean film, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> there's um, there's one I saw recently that it, it's not supernatural and it's not horror in any way, but it's it's actually one of the best movies I've seen in recent years. Uh, it's a film called Poetry, and it's currently on like all the streaming channels, so it's pretty easy to get your hands on. But it's about this older woman, like past retirement age uh, and she's starting to get a little bit of the Alzheimer's Uh, but she's this sweet old lady who uh, isn't very well to do so she's still doing like personal care for a old crippled man and and she's kind of struggling along and she is raising this teenage kid who's her grandson okay and she you know, decides to take a poetry class to kind of enrich her life. You know, she's just this darling, sweet little lady. And the kid, it turns out, uh, the, the story comes out that he and his friends at school have been tormenting and sexually assaulting this classmate of theirs until she commits suicide. Oh, no. So all the parents of the boys have gotten together and, you know, called upon her because she's the only parent figure that this kid has. And they're trying to make this coalition to bring up money to pay restitution to the girl's parents. To Which is of, not the way I thought that story was going to go right yeah. there when you were saying that. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and, it, it be, and, and all the other parents are fathers. Mm-hmm. And so she's the only woman in this circle. So... She's kind of this beautiful, wonderful, naive little lady, and she—you can tell she can't wrap her mind around what has happened. That her son was involved in this. Yeah. Well, her her grandson. Her grandson. But, yeah. Or just that this happened, yeah. and like, yeah. And she's not. She's not in a denial, but it's the she. She has Alzheimer's, just starting, and you can see she doesn't have the capacity. Oh. And. It, it continues on from there, and it's 
a fascinating story. And I, she reminded me of my grandmother, and I just, I just cried like through most oh. of the movie. Like, oh my god. But it's so, like watching my grandma. <laughs> so it comes back again to that emotional component. Oh yeah, they, they, what very they do really emotional. well is they mm-hmm. tie, they grab what is in a, they grab that emotion from it, and it's something that I, I think we can all agree that yeah, we miss in all of our slick blockbusters. I mean, as right. much as I love Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. there's not really an emotional component. No, no, there. Yeah, um, I mean it's bombastic, definitely. Yeah. And I was just double-checking on IMDb. There's a film that was I was seeing everywhere, everybody talking about. It's on my Netflix queue. At least it was on Netflix. I haven't checked recently to still see if it's still on there. But it is Korean. Mother. Mm. Oh, Mother is. is a Korean film. And I still right. have not watched it, in part because... I need to be I in the know, right mood for that. <laughs> yeah, I know that it's going to be emotionally devastating. They because are yeah. yeah. Even watching The Host, which I've seen several times and I love, The Host is emotionally devastating. Oh, it's yeah. just a monster movie. Right. And you got to be ready for it. And the truth of the matter is, I used to mock my friend Tim about the fact because he is he had kids before I did. And after he had kids, suddenly he was like, I can't watch that film. There are children in danger, and it's too upsetting, and I can't. And I'm, oh, geez, you fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and now I understand in a way right. that I did not understand before. And maybe it's not true for everyone, but it is definitely true for me, and I apologize retroactively <laughs> to Tim. But knowing that this is about a mother and son relationship where the mother She's is, trying to get... Justice for her son, yeah. Justice for her son, and yet there is also some uncomfortable truths that come out from my understanding. It makes me a little leery of wading into this film because that parental dynamic affects me so much more now that it just, it becomes harder, even though I'm able to go, this is brilliant and I love it. (sighs) I'm having trouble here. So I, I still have it on my queue. It's still on something that I want to watch. But mm-hmm. what does it say that an entire film industry has so completely swayed me with, you are so good at taking my emotions and ripping them around that I am hesitant to watch a movie that I know I will love because <laughs> right. I'm not prepared for the emotional damage yeah. that's going to happen. And for me, that's what I go to films for, right? So I go to films to get a story. I go to a film to feel something. I go to have a dream, right? Like, that's why I am there. And so I don't need to go and do, you know, another exceptional white guy story. I got, I got my big re- recommendations in. Although The Yellow Sea is very good, but um, I mean, I can... What I that. wanted to point out, which I thought was really interesting, is when I was reading about Korean cinema, it is a culture and a, an industry that is the result of censorship. Because starting in... Um, what, 19, the 19, 1990s, Korea decided they put a law into place that 40% of all films shown must be domestic. Right. They it's had kind of be, like Canada has a 30% Canadian country. Yeah, it's, yeah. You've, so you've got to be showing domestic films, and mm-hmm. domestic films have to show for a certain amount in the theater, regardless mm-hmm. of how much money they make. And once they did that, Korean films started making a lot of money in their own market, which then fed the market further, and then mm-hmm. suddenly yeah, you I mean, start it's getting propping it, up your media industry, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. creating a, an entire you know it's feeding 
feeding the artists so that they can make more art and make better art, mm -hmm. and then suddenly that art is becoming world-renowned. What, what would happen if we did that in America? Like, for <laughs> example, what if we said a certain number of films have to be directed by a woman? Period. Mm -hmm. Right. What would happen to the narratives we tell? What would happen mm -hmm. to all of this bullshit that's happening with the with the hate on women when suddenly women are a player and it's just you got to deal with it, right? Because a quota system, like it can work. Korea mm -hmm. proves it, right? What else could we prop up like that besides women? We could prop up musicals. We we could <laughs> we could prop up people of color. Right. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. Like, what if we had to have... We a might have Academy Awards that go more than, like, you know, 20, 40 years between people of color winning. Oh, yeah. Like, what <laughs> if 40% of all films had to have be starring a person of color? Mm-hmm. Or you can't make it. What if, oh, my God, what if you passed the law that films had to accurately represent the, dem the demographic mix of America? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, X, X percent black people, X percent Asian people, X percent... White people, white people, Latino, white people yeah. would only be about forty percent. Yeah, right. that would freak their shit right away. <laughs> There'd be a lot of Hispanic movies, which right. I'm, which I'm good with, which are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that'd be really okay. I, I'm good with Thank that. Thank you, Alfonso Cuarón yes. and Gravity, which is an amazing film. For In me, the hop, skip, and the jump, right, is that you know I'm I'm tired of the same story, and so I look yeah. for a story that has yeah. you know women as protagonists and women making choices and women discovering things and having journeys and telling stories, and all of that leads to what I read and what I watch, and then you know I end up finding all of these great Korean movies, which seem to feature a lot of women. You know, like they tend to put women in a lot of these, you know, kind of supernatural stories which i don't know if there's some sort of like cultural thing i'm not catching like this is part of what i enjoy i think about watching asian cinema of all kinds is that i always feel a little bit like i don't get it yeah, yeah. like <laughs> and wow, there's some that significance something. to things i'm like that meant something they I've, focused on that toaster for I've, five seconds i have no <laughs> idea why that was important but that was cool and so I feel that way a little bit about, you know, maybe they feel something about women having a different connection to the supernatural than men do, because I don't see very many men in these stories, mm -hmm. um, unless they are kind of ancillary characters, right? So they they don't see the ghosts, they don't, I mean, you know, there could be like boy children, but not adult men. Then so I don't know if there's something about that. But I've, I've seen a I couple totally of the, the Korean crime dramas that are more uh, that have male lead characters. Right, like detective so stories. Yeah, and but those like tend to be detective stories, not ghost stories. Yeah, so. but, I, but I mean, it, the vast majority of Korean films I've seen are female-led. But, right. but I mean, there's also a, a film called The Yellow Sea which is this or actually really amazing Almost Hitchcockian in that it's it's a wrong man film. It's okay. a guy on the run. But the interesting concept is there's this area, like a city that's kind of in between China, Russia, and Korea, where a lot of Kore Koreans go to earn work. I, I saw this movie a couple years ago, okay. so I, I can't remember quite what the politics are. But there's... Uh, Koreans go to work and earn money and then go back to their country. But, right. you know, when they're in this other city, they're not actually in their country. Right. And they're not supposed to be there. Okay. So this guy, uh, his wife goes missing 
in this area. So he travels there to find her and then he gets trapped. So he's okay. literally a man adrift in a country that is not his own. Right. And uh, embroiled in this crime thing. It, it's a fascinating movie. But, sure. But yeah, it's yeah. It, it's more the standard guy lost in... Yeah, because I've also yeah. watched Korean cop drama. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, serial killer or whatever. And, you know those tend to all be more male-centric. Yeah. Right? So there's just vastly more male characters. There's usually, like, one woman police officer that they kind of make a point of her partner being an ass or something, you know? <laughs> and, like, she sets them straight. Like, so they, they sort of establish that she's a capable cop, and it seems like this happens every time, right? Like, there's, you know, some office scene at the precinct, and, like, somebody's a dick to her, and she, like, sasses them, and then that's the end of it, right? Like, so, it's just this funny scene setting where it's, like, and then she's, you know, she's an ancillary character, but, yeah. Now I kind of want to do some research into the gender politics of Korea because I've been reading more about Japan and Mm -hmm. the fucked-upness of their, their gender culture right now in that, None of the young people want to get together, get married, they don't or want to have get married. sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're... They definitely don't want to have children at all. Yeah. Because well, it's and, such a, well, it's and such women... a death sentence, right? Like everybody has to get married, and like women have to quit their jobs, and yeah, nobody and like none it's of the guys want kids. to be wage slaves. They don't want to get married because the minute they get married, women have to give up their jobs, and men have to become the provider. And yeah, they're and none wage of them, slaves. Yeah, and none of them want to buy into that, so they're just not getting married, and they're not even dating. It's like, why don't you come up with an alternative? Hello, but their they culture—they have. They have. They're like sex hotels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're, but they're. Well, there's got to be an alternative between those two, right? But their culture is so rigid that they're right. locked in. So now I'm kind of fascinated of because the more I watch Korean cinema and read about it, the more I'm like, are you actually as feminist as you seem? It seems questionable given. What I know about Asian culture, let's be honest. Well, I I mean, there's a well, myriad of cultures in Asia. Oh right? yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Like, so, well, and my I mean, my we, understanding yeah. of Asian culture is heavily Japanese influenced. Right. I want to yeah. make that clear. Yeah, Korea is not Japan, and yeah, China and, is and not Japan. I am Japan. ignorant and, yeah. about Korea, okay. so now Good suddenly, God, Malaysia is not Japan. And so Malaysia I want to do Japan. some research now into yeah. sort of like what is your gender assumptions in Korea because mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by how much agency you let your women you you show in women right mm-hmm. in let your women sounds horrible but you show in women in cinema yeah yeah I mean so for me it's been really an interesting kind of also the you know m- down the down the rabbit hole kind of experience with Netflix <laughs> and like yeah if you like this you'll like that so yeah well and the, can can we all take yeah. a moment and just appreciate the fact that Netflix has bringing a lot of foreign cinema to American yes. audiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is like the greatest blessing. Streaming video has been the greatest blessing to cinephiles. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes are up every Thursday. You can find us at XanaduCinema.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at XanaduCinema, and on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. If 
if you haven't been to our website yet, we have some questions we would love for you to answer. XanaduCinema.com Should we start with Lex's questions, or should we... No, let's do that when we're drunk. Okay, excellent. Okay. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Can do. (laughs) (laughs) Woo!